0: Let's pray for the Word. Lord, tonight I thank You for Your Word. I thank You, Holy Spirit, that You're the teacher. You're the one who wrote the book. You're the one that we listen to. So tonight, Holy Spirit, I ask You to bring revelation into this room that we might hear what You would have us to hear, understand what You would have us to understand. I pray, Father, that our hearts would be good soil. And that the seed that is sown, which is your word, would produce a crop a hundredfold. Because we love you and we love the word that you bring into our lives. Lord, we give you praise and honor tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I read about a couple and they lived in Minneapolis. And it was a particularly cold winter at this time. And they decided they would go to Florida for a while. They decided that they would stay in the same hotel that they spent their honeymoon in 40 years prior. And so they had a hectic schedule and so they couldn't fly together. So the husband flew down on a Friday and she was going to join him on a Saturday the following day. So he checked into the hotel and he goes to the room and unlike 40 years ago, there was a computer in the room and he could send his wife an email. So he thought he was going to send her an email and he would he would let her know how great it was, what was going on. So he typed in the email address, but he missed it by one letter. He was wrong by one letter. And so he sent it. Now, at the same time in Houston, there was a Baptist pastor who had a heart attack and died. And so his wife returned from the funeral and decided she would check her email. And she thought there might be messages of condolence there and that type of thing. And so. She read the first message and she screamed and fainted. The son, her son rushed in the room, found his mother on the floor. Then he saw the computer screen and he, here's what it said on the computer screen To my darling wife, I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now and you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I've just arrived and check in. I see that everything's been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> And I look forward to seeing you then. I hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. P.S. It's hot down here. That has nothing to do with what I'm getting ready to talk about. Nothing to do with. My mom passed away a few months ago. Well, it's been, what, a year and a half ago? And uh, so we were at her house going through some things, and we were wondering if her phones worked. So I called, no, Tammy called her phone just to see if it would ring. And so then she went to the car and picked up her phone and saw she had a call from my mom. It was unnerving to her, needless to say. I don't know if you looked at the date today, but two months from today is Christmas Day. you realize that? I mean the season is upon us i mean christmas is right around the corner now i did say the word christmas i realize that may or may not be politically correct Uh, i think there are a lot of people in the world today who who don't use the word christmas they're afraid they'll offend the three percent that it offends Mm -hmm. and so they don't want to use that term and they'd rather offend the 97 percent that wants to hear the word and uh, you know christmas is an important time if you're in retail because in the retail stores five weeks brings you anywhere from from 40 to 70% of your annual income because that's just how much people shop during Christmas and what happens from that time. But we understand that when we get into the Christmas season, it's all about Jesus. If we started talking about Christmas memories tonight, we would have lots of fond memories regarding Christmas, right? When I was a kid, I had certain memories, but now that I'm uh, then I was a father. I had certain memories. Now my grandfather I have different memories, and they're they're good memories, you know. And we we have certain memories. If, if you want to find out what my Christmas is like, you can go on YouTube, and you can find there's a, a video of me telling the Christmas story to my family, and uh, because we have done that for how old is our oldest daughter? She's forty something. We we for forty something years. Well, for maybe thirty nine years, we've told the Christmas story to our kids and our grandkids now our grandkids, every Christmas Eve for all that amount of time. And so my kids, my my boys are videographers, and this is on Vimeo and on YouTube, and they're videographers, and they did a video of me telling the Christmas story one year, and I did it the same way I do it every year, and they wanted it for posterity because they want their children and grandchildren to know the story of Christmas that, that I've told every year. And I always, I mean, I bought a flannel graph, thing back in those days. I still have the very same one. And I still use the very same characters every single year when I tell the Christmas story. So we have lots of memories. And you could go around telling your traditions as well. But but it's very important. I'll well, have memories. But I'm going to start tonight teaching about Christmas in a way because I only have uh, four more sessions before Christmas that I'm going to teach. So I'm going to teach four different things about Christmas. I taught some of this uh, two years ago, but I felt like I needed to pre- teach it again about Christmas because I want us to get the rest of the whole story here. And so we now remember what Christmas is really about. It's about Jesus. You know, sometimes we get so entrenched in shopping and gifts and you know, then when that's over, we make a New Year's commitment not to get in debt anymore. And, uh, you know, all the things that happen at Christmas time. you know, it's like the mother who's, who's running around from store to store with her three-year-old boy, and, and she, she gets everything bought, and all of a sudden she realizes she did not have a three-year-old boy. So now she's shut, worried. She's going back to find the three-year-old boy, and she's looking everywhere, and she finds him up against a window, staring in a window. With his face up against the glass, and she says, "She says, what are you doing?" He says, "Mama, mama, it's Jesus. Look, it's baby Jesus in the grass. It's mama, mama, it's Jesus." We, she's, she's grabbing, she by, by the arm. She says, "We don't have time for that. Can't you see that mommy's too busy with Christmas?" <laughs> and that's kind of the way it is at Christmas time. We get so busy, we forget what it's all about. So I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture, and we're going to begin to talk a little bit about some people that were around at, Christ- at the original Christmas. This is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 25. It says, And lo, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and, the parent, and when the parents of Jesus brought the child Jesus, due for him after the custom of the law. Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Now that's an interesting passage of scripture. I realize it doesn't take place on Christmas Day, but it's a part of the Christmas story. It's a part of what took place around that time when Mary and Joseph took their baby to have him dedicated at the temple. Now, it's not exactly about Christmas, but but the passage of the wise men isn't exactly about Christmas either, right? We'll talk about that another time, but they came sometime after this took place. And so it's not exactly about Christmas, but it's during the original Christmas season. I mean, there are a lot of things that that. that, that at Christmas time, that we have these traditions that that maybe didn't come from Scripture exactly. Well, we might talk about some of those, but I'm going to talk about some things about this guy tonight. Who was this man named Simeon, and why is he even in the Bible? Have you ever thought about him? I mean, he, he kind of gets passed over. We just kind of read that that part of Luke, and 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 we just kind of. Forget about who he is and what he's doing. I guess when i growing up, I always thought he was some kind of old vagrant who just kind of hung around the temple. You know, he's just some old guy at the temple, and, and uh, you know, he comes up. He's a spiritual, but, but apparently he doesn't seem to have a whole lot to do. That's what it seems like. I mean, but that's not exactly who he is. He's not an old vagrant. According to historians, this guy was a man that... His name is Simeon, but if you watch The Chosen, he's a man named Shimon. There are two, two rules of thought at the, in his day, and they were, they were the Hillel rule of thought, and the son of Hillel was Shimon, and the other guy was Shammai. And this is Shimon, is who it's talking about. He's the son of Hillel. Hillel was the president of the Sanhedrin for over 40 years. Hillel was a very famous Jewish man. After Hillel died, Simeon, according to the King James Bible, or Shimon, became the leader of the Sanhedrin. He was the first to be called Rabban, which is the highest title given to what we call the doctors of the day. And that title was only given to seven men in all those days. This was not just some old, vagrant Jewish man waiting to die. Shimon, and he, he, was, he was there. At some point, Shimon taught something contrary to the tradition of the elders and was removed from his position. And there's a possibility and a probability that he taught that Jesus was the Messiah. And he was removed from that place. And so I think it's important that we begin to, to look at this guy and find out a little bit about him tonight. So Luke describes the man As just, Uh, the Greek word is diakaios, and it means righteous, just, correct, upright, virtuous, one who keeps the commands of God. So this was a man who truly lived by the Word of God. He was a man who knew the Word. He was very prophetic, but he knew the Word of God. Secondly, Luke said he was devout, which the the Greek word here means pious, having respect from God or God-fearing. He was just and devout. He was also waiting for the consolation of Israel. The word "waiting" here means the hope or an expectation. It means to embrace a godly welcome. It's to fully, completely take something without reservation or hesitation. Luke lets us know that Simeon was earnestly looking for and anticipating the consolation of Israel. This man was serious, and he was in the temple. He's waiting for this thing. He was waiting for the consolation, or or the encouragement, the support of Israel. He had an expectation that at any moment, the Messiah would, would appear. And he, of course, in his mind, he probably thought they'd be delivered from one on oppression. Now, here's the interesting thing about, about this particular man. He had a son, and his son's name was Gamaliel. Gamaliel, as you may know by reading the book of Acts, was the instructor for Saul of Tarsus. And for another guy named Barnabas. And Saul of Tarsus, of course, became the apostle Paul and Barnabas was his, his, his partner, Gamaliel. They were taught by the, the chiefest of all the teachers of the day, Gamaliel. So he obviously was very spiritual. He was very prophetic. God promised him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. That's a pretty good promise. You won't die till you see the promise. It never says he was old. In my mind, I just always thought he was some old guy waiting to die. And he wouldn't die till he saw the Messiah. But the Bible doesn't say he was old. History doesn't say he was old. He was a grown man, of course, but he wasn't some old guy waiting to die. Now I can go out and die. I've seen the Messiah. <laughs> that wasn't it at all. I mean, if, 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 if that meant something, it, would, it might have told his age there but he just tells us his name. History tells us the rest. It never says that he has to die right away after seeing the Messiah. He saw the Messiah. Now he can die any time after that. But he knew he would not die until he saw the Messiah. You know, you read about, in the Old Testament, Methuselah. He lived a long time, and his name meant, when he is gone, it shall come. And they all knew that when Methuselah died, the flood was going to come. I'm telling you what, they kept that guy alive as long as they could. Seriously. And he, the day he died, the flood came. And you can add up the numbers in Genesis and find that out. That has nothing to do with this. But this guy wasn't Methuselah. He wasn't an old man. God said, you will see him. He was a devout man. He was just. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. He wasn't some crazy guy wandering around the temple. Isn't that interesting? We just don't sometimes look into a lot of things that are in the Bible. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for the Messiah. He was looking for someone to bring comfort and refreshment to his nation. Waiting for the Messiah. He was looking for Jesus. He didn't know that at the time, but he knew the Messiah. He didn't know his name was Jesus yet, but he was looking for Jesus. Looking for Jesus. Christmas ought to be all about looking for Jesus. We ought to find Jesus at Christmas time. In what we instead of instead of us getting all crossways with with you know with Uncle Bert and Aunt Harriet, let's look for Jesus. Let's find him. Let's make sure this is a season where we look for Jesus. I mean the scripture says if we seek him we will find him. But we've got to look in the right places, look in the right way. I like what it says. He was in the Spirit when he found Jesus. I think we all want to find him. I think we want to know him better. I think we want to have a relationship with him. You know, people talk at Christmas time about the spirit of Christmas. Oh, I just didn't feel the spirit of Christmas this year. What is that? Well, I think when they talk about the spirit of Christmas, they're talking about a feeling or mostly a feeling of sentimentality, but they're talking about a feeling, a feeling of nostalgia, uh, And there are spirits at work at Christmas time. Not all of them are Christian spirits. I mean, at Christmas there's greed, there's lust, there's alcoholism, there's abuse in families. But that's not the spirit we're talking about. He was led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. The word, he said he came by the Spirit, it means in the Spirit. The word by is in the Spirit. So Simeon was in the Spirit and was led by the Spirit at this moment when he ran across Jesus. If we're gonna find Jesus, we're gonna need to be in the Spirit. In fact, when we talk about the Christmas story for the next several weeks, you're gonna find everybody was looking for Jesus. Everybody was looking for him. The wise men were looking for Jesus. The shepherds went looking for Jesus. Uh, Mary and Joseph were looking for Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we have Christmas and that ought to be what we're doing during this time of year. Begin to put our focus not on the demons of Halloween, but on the focus of Jesus, the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Focus on who He is, looking for Him in the Spirit. If we're going to find Him, we're going to have to be in the Spirit, led by the Spirit. We'll find Him with the aid of the Holy Spirit. And we need to learn how to pray in the Spirit we need to learn how to walk in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the scripture says in First Corinthians 2, verse 9 and 10, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them to us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. If we're going to find Jesus, the Spirit of God is going to reveal him to us. I mean, We need to look for Him. Romans 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. We have to be in the Spirit. Sometimes we get so caught up with the flesh and what's happening in the flesh that we miss what the Spirit is saying to us. We need to be in the Spirit. I like Simeon's name. His name means to hear and obey. Hear and obey. We need to be people who are sensitive in the Spirit so that we hear Him and we obey Him. I mean, man, I would like to name, we should name one of my kids Simeon. And then they just heard and obeyed all the time. Man, that would be great. We're going to have to hear and obey. I mean, we need to understand this Christmas season that God is talking to us, He is speaking to us. We need to hear him in the Spirit, learn to hear and obey. We just talked about being spiritual people the last two other times we were together. We are spirit beings. We have the ability to hear in the Spirit. Hear from the Spirit into our spirit, bypassing our ears and bypassing our minds. The thoughts of God, the words of God, will not come from our mind to our spirit, but from our spirit to our mind. Mm -hmm. And we need to be people who hear Him. He has a voice. The only problem is we're not always on His frequency to hear. We're too busy. We're too stressed. We're too worried. We're too angry. We're too frustrated. We need to learn how to hear Him. Proverbs 3.32 says, For the froward is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The word righteous here is talking about us because we've been made right in Jesus. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. His secret is with the righteous. God communicates with man. Think about this. When God spoke to Moses about the tabernacle, he was exact, told him exactly how to make it. When when he spoke to Noah about the ark, it was exact. When he spoke to David about the temple, even though Solomon built the temple, David gave him the plans for it. God told him what to do. Now think about Ananias, a certain disciple named Ananias in the book of Acts when he said, I want you to go to to the straight street. I want you to find Saul of Tarsus. I want you to, He's, he's blind, I need you to pray for him. He gave him exact instruction on where to find him and what to do. God talks to people. The Bible says Ananias was a certain disciple, which means any disciple. You and I have the ability to hear him. We need to begin to tap into that. He communicates with our spirit. The Amplified reads that Proverbs 3.32 is this, His confidential communion and secret counsel are with the righteous, those who are upright and in right standing with Him. His secret counsel are with us. God talks to us. He is spirit. He communicates with our spirit. We must cultivate spiritual ears so that we can hear what He has to say. Let me say this. You have heard Him before. You just don't know it sometimes. One time I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and in that encounter I realized I had seen Him many many times Mm -hmm. but I didn't know it because I wasn't looking for him we are spirit beings we can communicate with him he says things to us all the time like Peggy was saying she went to the mailbox the Lord told her to put up a flag she heard him say it she did it it blessed that lady she heard him say it it was an audible voice it was inside. We need to hear him. He's told you things like, give that person some money. He's heard you. You've heard him say things like, don't go there. Don't do that. You see, he tells you all the time. Each time we obey his voice, it becomes easier for us to hear and the voice is clearer. Each time we ignore it, it becomes more muddled and difficult to hear the next time. We need to hear in the Spirit, hear the voice of God. If we want to find Jesus, (laughs) we need to be these people like like Simeon. We (laughs) must hear and obey. We must be in the Spirit. We we need to understand that we enter the presence of God by the blood. We do what we're supposed to do. We hear and we obey. We hear and we obey. All right? So we've got to look for Him. We've got to look in the right place Sometimes we mistake where we're going to hear from him and how we're going to hear from him and when we're going to find him. Here's Simeon had to be in the temple. The Holy Spirit led him to the temple. He couldn't just go where he wanted to go. He had to go to the temple to find him. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit told him he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. And then it was the Spirit's job to get him to the Messiah. So he, the Spirit did it. He led him there. He didn't have to go on a bunch of wild goose chases to find him. He just heard him, and then he had to be in the right place. We need, to be, we need to be aware of what we're supposed to be doing, where we're supposed to be. Sometimes when Christians are in the wrong place at the wrong time because they didn't hear the voice of God, they get in trouble. But if we would learn to hear and obey what he says, we're going to find him. And here's, I know some places to find him if you want to know where they are. One place you'll find him in the place of prayer. That's where you'll find Him. I mean, He meets you in the place of prayer. He meets you there. He comes there. It's interesting, when the disciples couldn't find Him one day. Remember where they found Him? In the place of prayer. They found Him in prayer. And they said, what are you doing here? <laughs> and He said, i got to talk to my Father. They found Him in the place of prayer. We'll find Him in His Word. He'll always reveal Himself through His Word. I mean, even if you saw a vision of him in the flesh that doesn't supersede his word, we've got to make sure we find him in the word. If a vision disagrees with the Bible, it's not from God. We find him in the word. And we're going to find him in praise and worship. Man, we're always going to find him in worship if our worship is genuine. And that doesn't, what the, let me tell you what that means to me. That means I don't wait for for a church service I worship him every day I find time to worship him if I want to hear if I want to find him I'm going to have to do that we got to get to the place where that we will fellowship with him with no agenda Do you ever pray when you don't need to you know I remember talking about a problem with, with some people and I said we just got to pray and they said oh my has it come to that No, we need to pray when we don't have any agenda. When we just want to be with Him. We just want to love Him. I mean, just come into His presence. We must find Him in the Spirit. We must find Him in in, in different places. And we've got to look for the right one. I mean, I like it. In in, in verse 30 of of, of Luke, it said, Simeon said, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. What was he looking at? A person. He was looking at Jesus. Salvation isn't an event. It's a person. We're not just trying to get delivered. We're not just trying to to get what we want. I mean, when we got saved, the Scripture says we were baptized into Jesus. That's a powerful thought when we think about it in him the bible says we're in him we've been seated in him in him we have salvation we have blessing we have the goodness of god we're not looking for an experience we're looking for him that's what we look for at this season we look for him i mean i love it he says and he took him up in his arms and he blessed god i mean just think of it he picks him up he starts hugging him he starts kissing him he starts. He starts just celebrating with him because he loves on him, and that's the way we need to be when we find Jesus. Now let me read just a little bit more. So right after that it says, "And there was one Anna, a prophetess of the daughter of of the tribe of Asher, and she was of great age." Now it tells you she was old. She was of great age and lived with an husband seven years from her her virginity. I mean, here, man, she she got married. She got. Had been married seven years, he died, and so Anna is this prophetess. It tells us she was of great age, she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. That's 84 years. So either she's 84 years old or she's been a widow for 84 years, which means she's somewhere around 100 years old. And she's in the temple. I mean, she was an old woman. I mean, she was there. And it says, it goes on to say, she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. This lady never departed from the temple. She served God in the temple after her husband died for 84 years. She never left the temple. She always served God. Isn't that something? Oh, and she's a prophetess. I mean, she's a resident there. She prays night and day. I mean, she's, she, she's praying for something. Apparently, she's praying about the coming of the Messiah. And she's praying the Messiah would come. She didn't ever leave the temple. And it says, and she came out in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. I mean, she gives thanks for for seeing him, and says she spake of him to all of them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Everybody she talked to, she talked to them about Jesus. She saw the Messiah. I mean, she was so excited, a hundred years old probably, and she sees Jesus. Now she can die, because she's going to see him up close again pretty soon as an adult. But she came. So the prophetess Anna the prophet Simeon, they both came and they were anointed to operate in the spirit of the prophetic and they were believing they would see the coming of the Messiah. Now here's an interesting thing. These people were looking for Jesus and they found him a certain way. But most people didn't see him. Most people didn't know about him. Even after the wise men came to town and made the big disturbance in the city, and Pilate talked to him. He, he he claimed to want to see Jesus, but he didn't want to see Him. He didn't believe in Him. He didn't believe anything. They all missed it. The theologians of the day missed it. They had They had different ideas about where the Messiah was going to come from. It's kind of like that today. Most people are missing it. You realize that, right? Most people are not Christians. Most people don't know Jesus. Jesus said, Wide is the way that leads away, but narrow is the road that leads to salvation. Most people miss it. Today's a little bit like that. Most people don't think He's coming. Most people don't think He's coming back. Many, Most people don't think He came the first time. They don't believe in anything that He did. And, and, and they mock. And they're just fulfilling the Scripture. The Scripture talks about in the last days in 2 Peter in verse three, chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That's what they're saying. They're mocking Him. They're mocking us. They're scoffing. But in eight, verse 8, He says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. There's one thing you've got to know. That a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. He is wanting to get the last person who's going to get saved, saved. And He's willing to wait until it's time for that. He's willing to wait until it's time for, for that last man, that last woman, last boy or girl. Maybe it'll be somebody like me. I was seven years old and sitting in the Baptist church. Maybe he's waiting for a guy like a kid like that so he can get to heaven because I knew I needed a Savior. We need to be looking for Jesus this Christmas season. We've got to look for Him. The world and the devil are doing a great job of hiding Him. At Christmas, Jesus is hidden because they promote Santa, they the gifts, the food, the tree, all the things... We need to find Jesus. I mean, it's, it's busy, but we've got to find Jesus. We've got to find Him in this Christmas time. We're looking for Him. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You that we can be looking for Jesus. We thank You, Father, that we can be people who find Jesus this particular Christmas season. We thank You for Your favor, for Your goodness. And Lord, as we close this message, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we believe, God, that you intervene on behalf of that group of covenant people as well as your church. We thank you and honor you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.